KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning, I'm Matt Hoffman. It's Friday, March 25th. Investigating increases in military suicides. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. President Joe Biden says the U.S. will accept up to 100,000 Ukrainian refugees as the conflict with Russia continues there. Biden made the announcement yesterday. San Diego County Supervisors Chair Nathan Fletcher says the region is ready to welcome those seeking asylum. Time and again, our county has stepped up to help refugees, to help uh, asylum seekers. Uh, And in this instance, it will be no different. Fletcher says the county could be tapped by federal immigration officials to help with temporary placements, health screenings, or securing public benefits. The county also has refugee employment services and programs that teach English as a second language. California Attorney General Rob Bonta says he will hold the city of Encinitas accountable if they don't approve a housing project that they previously rejected. The 277-unit project had planned to set aside 41 units for low-income families. Bonta says the city's previous denial of the project blocked the state's effort to increase housing affordability and accessibility in Encinitas. SDG&E customers will soon notice their bills going down because of California's climate credit program. Gas customers will see their April bill have up to a $43 credit, while in August and September, electric customers could see credits as high as $128. That's double the amount of last year. The credits will automatically show up on SDG&E bills. The money comes from carbon pollution permits that are purchased by industries that are emitting greenhouse gases. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news that you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. Naval Base North Island is on a list of bases being visited by a new commission investigating military suicides. KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh has more. Suicides in the military rose 16% in 2020. Congress mandated the Pentagon to take another look at the potential causes. Eugenio Vigo is with the Center for American Progress, which recently looked at suicides among military and veterans. A higher rate of gun ownership is a major factor. Mechanisms, when we're talking about suicide, they do matter. And gun, guns matter in this regard. Uh, you know, numerous studies have shown that when you analyze the different mechanisms uh, by w- which people attempt to commit suicide, guns is the most lethal. The connection between guns and suicide is well known. The Pentagon just started a new gun safety program for personal firearms. Looking at the data from the Pentagon, researchers also found another risk factor. A previous physical challenge or a physical condition, meaning physical injuries, that was a very important component that we did see in analysis that relates to veteran suicides and military suicides. 
but it doesn't relate to uh, the suicides of the overall population. This week, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin signed a memo creating a new commission that will look at the suicide rate. They will visit nine U.S. bases no later than August. The only Navy base on the list is North Island. A Pentagon spokesman did not release detailed criteria for why each base was selected, saying others may be added. Steve Walsh, KPBS News. State lawmakers from San Diego are taking the lead on legislation aimed at reducing the number of people who die in county jails. It's called the Saving Lives in Custody Act. A report released last month by the California State Auditor found that the San Diego County Sheriff's Department failed to adequately prevent and respond to the deaths of individuals in its custody. The effort to focus attention on the lethal problem in San Diego jails was started by local organizations. KPBS's Maureen Cavanaugh spoke with Yousef Miller. He's the co-founder of the North County Equity and Justice Coalition. When did the alarming number of in-custody deaths in San Diego come to your attention? We've known throughout the decades of dealing with in-custody deaths and families who have lost lives, but it came to a point for us in 2019 when we heard about the loss of Elisa Cerna, and that launched our campaign in 2020, the Saving Lives in Custody campaign. And what kind of stories have you heard from families about losing loved ones after they've been arrested? We've heard about neglect, process failures. And by neglect, I mean inmates would ask for medical care, medical assistance with disabilities, medication for withdrawals, heart medication, and denied repeatedly on these requests. And we would see at times, loss of life. We have many people who were denied these requests that didn't lose their lives, but we have people that come to us, their family members, in tears because their family member has lost their life after requesting life-saving measures. Is the Saving Lives in Custody Act, the one presented by lawmakers, the kind of bill you wanted? Yes, it is. We want to thank Dr. Akila Weber and all her colleagues for advancing this act. When we came up with the Saving Lives in Custody campaign in 2020, we had no idea it would go this far. You know, we didn't have that kind of confidence in the system. But Dr. Akila Weber and her allies, they saw the, the value and the need of this, and they developed this act, which we're very, very thankful for. Are there any changes you'd like to see? The Saving Lives in Custody Act, I would hope that develops into a way to remove the badge and the gun from mental health services, from drug addiction services, and homelessness outreach. And we see from the victims of these neglects in custody, they fit in at least one or all three of these issues. And we see the failure is the connection and the bridge between the badge and the gun and these services. We need clinicians, we need civilians, to run these programs that have a more vested interest in their success. Now, this bill has just been introduced. It's not scheduled to be voted on or to go into effect for a while. Do you think any interim measures are are needed? The Attorney General, Rob Bonta, can come in and take charge. And we're asking for that. 
We've seen that happen in 1991 with the L.A. riots. We've seen it with 2016 when Kamala Harris, the current vice president, was the AG of California. So we know that they can step in when there are crises like this. Too many people are dying. As a matter of fact, last week, two more people have died. So we are in a crisis, make no mistake. And we're asking Rob Bonta in the interim to come in and take charge of San Diego County jails and implement reforms to save lives. Since Sheriff Bill Gore resigned, the county sheriff's department says it's taken steps to make jails safer with more safety checks and accountability. But as you mentioned, of course, those two recent deaths last week put a question mark to that. Do you think the department is now committed to improving conditions? We've been asking for these same things for decades, and it's fallen on deaf ears. And now they want to do something. We just don't have the confidence and we can't risk the lives of other family members. So it's a bit of a situation where we have too little, too late. So we would like for an outside entity to come in and enforce these reform measures to save lives. That was Youssef Miller with the North County Equity and Justice Coalition. He was speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. We're hearing reaction from customers and lawmakers to Governor Gavin Newsom's proposal to bring some relief to Californians that are struggling with high gas prices. Here's more from KPBS reporter John Carroll. The average price for a gallon of gas in San Diego rose for the 30th straight day on Thursday. It now stands at $5.98. Of course, the price is expensive across the state. On Wednesday, Governor Newsom announced a multi-pronged approach to bring some relief, the top line being up to two $400 debit cards per registered car owner. But that relief wouldn't come until July at the earliest. That didn't sit well with drivers we talked to at a San Diego Arco station. I guess it'd be nice in July, but for now, like, as gas prices are still going up, that's not anything now, I guess. It wouldn't happen until July, so what do you think about that? That's a long time. I mean, shoot, I don't know. It needs to be now. It needs to be now. Prices are expensive. John Carroll, KPBS News. Catalytic converter thefts keep happening, and local law enforcement agencies are working together to try and solve the problem. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne tells us more about the Catalytic Converter Regional Initiative. The Catalytic Converter Initiative is a task force started by Oceanside Police Detective Chris James. Now we have people from the FBI working with us, the DMV, the National Insurance Crime Bureau. It's uh, sprung into etching events, stuff like that. So it's just really grown pretty tremendously in about eight months. James said the initiative has helped all of the agencies involved communicate, discover patterns, and come up with solutions. We're attacking this from many fronts. We're attacking it through recyclers, through contacting suspects individually, through trying to understand the whole enterprise of the crime, and also through our judicial system. The initiative's teamwork has helped pass harsher laws on catalytic converter thieves. But crime analysts predict catalytic converter thefts will continue as the value of metals rises. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Some San Diego County farmers are fighting their water districts over who must pay to keep water flowing to crops. That includes things like avocados and grapes. I news source reporter Camille Von Canel explains. 
The Ramona Municipal Water District decided to stop the water system used by farmers because it would cost millions to upkeep for fewer and fewer sales. The district gave customers a choice, lose the water or pay thousands in fees to connect to another system. Some farmers are fighting back. Russ Snow is a longtime avocado farmer who said the cost might force him to quit. It's kind of an end of an era uh, for me, and I share the frustration of a lot of farmers in this state uh, that were kind of being pushed out. The water district pushed its plan back nearly two years as it considers the risk it will get sued. For KPBS, I'm iNewsource reporter Camille Von Canel. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. After two decades of inactivity, San Diego's Commission on the Status of Women is being revived. The commission will focus on issues affecting women such as health, public safety, and workforce representation. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado was there for the unveiling. I'm pleased to announce the city of San Diego is reviving its Commission on the Status of Women. Mayor Todd Gloria stood in front of the Women's Museum of California that's yet to open its doors to announce that the Commission on the Status of Women will once again be looking into what women need to be successful and come up with solutions so they can thrive in the city of San Diego. Gloria said, as much progress that has been made, there's more work to do. And despite substantial progress over the last several decades, women and girls uh, continue to experience inequality uh, in our society. The commission was started in 1973, but has been inactive for over two decades. Felicia Shaw, the executive director of the Women's Museum, said she was proud to host the event that was long overdue. She has high hopes for this commission. To start focusing on solutions, strategies, you know, not just uh, a lot of talk, but really getting out there and figuring out where are we stuck? and then coming up with the solutions to keep women moving forward. San Diego City Council member Vivian Moreno acknowledged the importance of this commission being reborn during Women's History Month. She told the personal story of why the commission is still needed. When I was running for office back in 2018, uh, I walked 8,000 doors to get elected. Um, one of those doors that I knocked, a man told me, but can a woman be a city council member? <laughs> Guess what? A woman could be a city council member and she could do it pregnant too. <laughs> and one woman in particular was top of mind during this announcement. Supreme Court Justice nominee, Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson. As an African-American woman, I'm just so proud to see that where she is today, but she, she stands on the shoulders of a lot of women who've gone before her trying to open doors and that's what we wanna do. I think the commission should try to open more doors for all women. Nominations for committee members are now open. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. Coming up, it's all about Shakespeare as the San Diego Opera returns to live performances. That story just ahead.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com. San Diego Opera is turning to Shakespeare's famous tale of star-crossed lovers for its second grand opera since returning to live performances at the Civic Theater. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando takes us behind the scenes of the classic French opera. The tragedy of Romeo and Juliet is fueled as much by the love shared by the title characters as it is by the hate displayed by their feuding families. Perhaps no one in the new San Diego Opera production understands those dueling passions better than Doug Schultz Carlson. I'm the intimacy director and the fight choreographer. A lot of intimacy direction came out of fight direction, and a lot of the principles are the same. The biggest difference is intimacy direction is really very concerned with affirmative consent, so that the performers have the chance to consent to everything that they're going to do in the course of the performance. In the case of Romeo and Juliet, it's a progression from flirting to touching to kissing. And in Matthew Ozawa's production, the singers get to shine on a gorgeously designed but very spare set, says Schultz Carlson. The gestures that are being made by the sets and the lighting are beautiful, but they're really stark. And that means the performers really can shine. So like for the intimacy, when they're coming together, they don't have a lot of set pieces that they're traveling across or anything. You're just, you're watching how the two of them are touching each other and how they're getting closer and how they kiss. The whole story is in what the performers are doing. That goes for the intimacy of close combat in fight scenes as well. Yeah, when you just have open space, and they say, you know, tell the story, use movement to tell the story on this open space, I just find that really exciting. It's also exciting for singer Sarah Coit, who has a trousers role in Romeo et Juliet, which means she plays a male character. Very typical in opera. I'm what's called a mezzo-soprano. A lot of mezzo-soprano roles are male characters. But what's not typical for her is having to engage in sword play. So we went around the room the first um, fight rehearsal and they asked what kind of experience we had. And I was the only one who had none. She doesn't have the specific physical vocabulary of using a sword, so that she needs to learn. Coit says it is very much like dance. It's very, very choreographed. It's just a matter of making sure you're focused and remembering what you're doing and staying calm. Coit sings the role of Stefano, whose antics lead into the big battle between Tybalt and Mercutio, which involves chorus members running around as the panicked crowd. That's why Schultz Carlson holds a fight call before every performance. In the Tybalt-Mercutio fight, we've got about 40 people running full speed in different interlocking patterns around the stage. So it's all complicated. Everybody has to do their job right. So before every performance, we run all of that at half speed and just check in, and then we run it at full speed. So that when we get in performance, then they've tried it that night. Choreographing a fight for opera requires working closely with the conductor, in this case, Eva Bell, and the score. The music gives you a lot of the story that you want to tell. For instance, in this piece, the, the, the music gives you exactly when you want the stabs to happen. They give you, you know, because there's, there's musical moments that you have to hit, which is really fun. For instance, which chord specifically? There's, a, there's several chords at the end of the Tybalt-Mercutio fight that could be the final stab where, where Mercutio gets stabbed. And you've had a strong opinion about that, and I'm you know, always happy to defer on musical questions to, to Maestro. The challenge is that the fight choreography may not be played out at full speed until just before opening, which means some tweaking may be needed at the last minute, says conductor Abel. In the end, of course, everything has to fit into my tempo, the speed of the music. 
And so if we find in the last stages that there just isn't enough music, let's say, to cover all of the different moves of the battle, then of course something has to be cut and it won't be the music. Abel collaborates with Schultz Carlson, director Ozawa, and especially the singers to make sure that the opera comes together in the best way possible. It's my job also to push the limits as much as possible. I feel strongly about that, to see how far a singer can go, sometimes to the point where they look at me like they want to hit me or something, but never past that point. But I believe very strongly that going to that limit is what creates great performances. And going to the limit of one's passion is at the heart of the tragedy of Romeo and Juliet. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. San Diego Opera is hosting four performances starting on Saturday at the San Diego Civic Theater. That's it for the podcast today. You can find more San Diego news on our website, kpbs.org. I'm Matt Hoffman. Friday is finally here. I hope you make the most of your weekend, and we'll catch you Monday. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.